What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, Premier League Thursday. Let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. All right, on today's show, going to go through the four games this weekend. We've got two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. I'm going to give a lean for each game, a couple best bets in there as well. Light weekend in soccer for sure, but uh, we will give a breakdown on these games. Also, to wrap today's show up, going to have some portions of an interview uh, from Nigel Seeley. He is a uh, professional soccer better in the UK and uh, one of our Woos Media employees caught up with him earlier today. So we will play back a portion of that interview later on on the show. Special thanks to TopNotchOdds.com, one of the best online sports books available. When you're signing up, put in promo code SHARPEDGE. That's going to get you a uh, sign-up bonus that you can use over and over again with great, great rollovers. Online, TopNotchOdds.com. On Twitter, at TopNotchOdds. Remember, promo code SHARPEDGE. All right, like I said, on today's show, going to get to uh, each and every game coming up this weekend. Only four games in the Premier League. So let's start off with one of two games on Saturday. This is the early game, 4.30 Pacific time on Saturday. Crystal Palace at Everton. Now, this is an interesting game. Let's get you guys a lines here actually first. Uh, Everton at home, minus 160. Crystal Palace on the road, plus 450. Those are the money line prices with the draw, plus 270. If you're looking for Crystal Palace, plus a half, that's going to be a plus 125. Now, here's the thing with Everton. They've been just so inconsistent recently. I mean, just when you think they're turning it on, they start to lay an egg and play very, very poorly. Their last couple games, uh, they beat Watford 3-2 with the red card. Very impressive, I think, on the road. They showed some resilience and uh, got the win last week against Watford, or whenever that was. Game before that, draw against Newcastle 2-2. A game before that, draw at West Ham, 1-1. Game before that, win against Brighton, 1-0. Game before that, loss at Man City, 2-1. So very up and down results. Now, you guys have heard me talk about the uh, uh, fairly new manager they've hired, uh, Carlo Ancelotti. I think he's going to do great things at Everton. I think he's one of the best, most underrated managers in the world, to be honest. He's got great experience. The question is, when will Everton finally turn it on? I'm not so sure this is the game, not because they're playing at home, not because of their recent track record, but because really of how good Crystal Palace has been on the road. And Crystal, this is shockingly similar to last season. I mean, look, this is a team, they're not, I don't want to say they're much better necessarily on the road, but they perform more consistently on the road and they perform better against better teams when they travel. Their last six games on the road, they only have one loss. We're looking at four draws, one loss, one win. Draw against Man City 2-2. Draw against Norwich 1-1. Draw Southampton 1-1. Draw against Watford 0-0. They do have a loss in there against Newcastle 1-0, but they also have a 2-0 win against Burnley, a very good Burnley team. So you look at the road, the last six road games for Crystal, I mean, very good results. And you contrast that with the last six home games for Crystal. They've got four losses in there. They lost to Sheffield 1-0, Southampton 2-0, Derby County 1-0 in the FA Cup, and Newcastle 1-0. And here's the thing. There's one common game in there, Southampton. They drew 1-1 on the road, lost 2-0 at home. 
they did draw Arsenal at home 1-1 and beat West Ham 2-1. But still, the home road split for Crystal is very apparent this season. Roy Hodgson is a very good coach. I like Roy Hodgson. And and look, on the road, like we said, this is a game where Crystal Palace is traveling on the road. Roy Hodgson has done very well on the road in his career. I am concerned with Crystal scoring. Uh, Jordan Ayew has six goals. The next uh, best goal scorer on the team is Zaha with with a three. So the question is, can they find some extra goal scorers if that's the case, if they give up an early goal to Everton? But... Do they have what it takes to get the win, right? I, I'm not so sure Crystal's going to go shock Everton on the road, but I certainly think they have what it takes to keep this thing close. So I will take Crystal Palace plus a half at plus 125. All right, let's get on to the other game on Saturday, Watford at Brighton. I believe this game is 930 AM Pacific, Brighton at home plus 105, Watford plus 250 on the money line, and the draw is plus 235. If you're looking for Watford plus a half, they're paying minus 135 right now. Here's the thing. Brighton this year has actually been playing worse and worse, but they got off to a great start. Now, if you just take a magnifying glass and look at the last 10 games, Brighton's only won one game. But like I said, they started so well this season. Now, here's what I think happened. I think that this happens really in many, many sports you're talking about, where when you get something new, whether it's a new offense in football, it's a new pitcher in baseball, a new goalie in hockey, or a new scheme in soccer, I think it could take a while for the rest of the league to catch up and really understand what you're doing and understand how to stop it, right? We see this all the time. New pitchers in baseball, they do they outperform their statistics the first couple weeks. Goalies in hockey, brand new goalies outperform their statistics the first couple weeks. Uh, and, and so this is a, a pattern that we see. And in soccer, when you're when you when you completely shift the way you play, the style you play, it's going to take a little bit of time to catch up. Now Brighton last year was a very much a uh, a, a counterattacking team. They would let you hold possession. Once they got it, they would try and just get something on the other end, try and quickly get you on the counterattack. Matter of fact, if you look at last year, they had 16 goals in open play. Right? That's that's not counting corner kicks, free kicks, penalty shots, things like that, right? This is open play goals. They had 16 goals all of last season. At this point in the year, as we sit on February 5th, Brighton has 20 goals in open play already this year. So the goal scoring has ramped up, and it, it, that was very apparent the first couple months of the season when they were catching a lot of teams by surprise. But now that this is evened out, now that everyone knows what Brighton's going to try and do, I really don't think they're going to, again, catch anybody by surprise. Brighton had 22 goals before the new year. They, since, they have five. And if you want to kind of look back since the Christmas break, because that's kind of that arbitrary or that, that point in the season that a lot of people like to, to point at, they had 19 goals before the Christmas break and only eight goals since. Glenn Murray, who's supposed to be their, you know, one of their most prolific goal scorers, is only averaging 2.0 shots per 90 minutes this season. That is just not good enough. Now, look, overall, like I said, this has been a good season for Brighton. They already have four more open play goals than they did all of last year, like we just mentioned. But, I mean, as positive as things started for Brighton, they're only two points above the relegation zone right now. Now, speaking of the relegation zone, Watford is currently in that zone, right? They are nice and and, and snuggled in there. They're, they're second to worst right now in the league. But if you look at expected goals, and we always talk about this, the, the website I like is understat.com. 
Watford is 10th in expected goals. They're 13th in expected points. So this is not a team that is you know, that bad this year in terms of stats. Now, they underperformed a lot of the season. They lost a lot of games they should have won or drawn. But that's not... I mean, I think if you look at the entire season and just look at their statistics, this is a team that has really underperformed. But if you play Watford or you assume Watford's going to play up to their potential, I think this price is very generous for the Hornets. Since Christmas Day, these are teams on the road that have a higher expected goals than expected goals against, okay? So since Christmas Day, these teams, higher expected goals on the road than expected goals against. Man City, Liverpool, Leicester City, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Watford, right? Initially, it's like, which of these is not like the other? But Watford has been playing that good and that much better, frankly, since the, the start of the season. So overall, these teams, if you look at expected points, they're pretty much even since Christmas. Watford's playing better. I will take Watford plus a half on the road, minus 135. So we're going to go both road teams plus a half on Saturday on the road. Now, those are two games that I like. Let's turn the page and get to Sunday's games because I don't have a very strong opinion on either one of these games. First game, AFC Bournemouth at Sheffield United. Sheffield at home is going to be minus 145. AFC Bournemouth plus 425 on the money line, and the draw is plus 245. If you're looking for AFC Bournemouth plus a half, that's going to pay plus 115. Now, my first thought when I saw this matchup before doing any deep dives or even looking at the price, my first thought when I saw AFC Bournemouth at uh, at Sheffield United Oh, man, Sheffield is just going to be way too much this game. Great defense, playing at home against a struggling AFC Bournemouth team. And then I looked at the price. (laughs) And this is a very good lesson in sports betting, folks. We're not just betting the teams, okay? We're betting the prices. We don't, as professional bettors or as disciplined bettors, I should say, We don't bet teams. We bet numbers. And looking at this game, yes, I think that Sheffield United is the much better team. I think Sheffield has been... You look at their defense. I mean, the overall caliber of teams they've kept up with this year, it's just game after game, week after week. They're really impressing me. But we're not betting on the fact... We're not betting on if Sheffield will win. We're betting on, is this a good price? for Sheffield to win. And at minus 145, almost minus 150, this is implying that Sheffield has about a 60% chance to win the game, which I think is ridiculous. I think it should be right around 50, maybe a slightly above 50%. But even if you can argue your way all the way to 55%, that's still a 5% gap in, in the odds, right? So I just think that this is a laughable price. I think everyone else is thinking what I was thinking for this game. AFC Bournemouth really, really struggling the last couple weeks. I mean, you even extend that to the last six weeks. Sheffield United, one of the better defenses in the entire league this year, taking the Premier League by surprise. And so, you know, I think everyone's kind of on my boat, but would I pay minus 145 for Sheffield to win? Absolutely not. So you may be saying, well, okay, Tyler, then why don't you take AFC Bournemouth? Well, just because I don't agree with one side of the line doesn't doesn't mean the other side is an automatic play. I don't like Bournemouth. Bournemouth is a fade team to me right now, but that doesn't, just because I don't like Sheffield doesn't mean it's an automatic play for Bournemouth. It's a pass. That's one of the advantages we have that the book don't have. The sports books have to come up with a line for every game. And if you make a bet, they have to take either one of those uh, sides, 
We can pass on games. We don't have to take a bet for every single game. And this is frankly way too expensive for me. Sheffield United has allowed four goals in their last 10 Premier League matches. Meanwhile, AFC Bournemouth has just had a tough time scoring. They can't find the back of the net. And I do think AFC Bournemouth's sloppy play is not conducive to match up with Sheffield. So this is a recipe for a Sheffield win, but minus 145, minus 150, just too expensive for me to look myself in the mirror at night and take this play. All right, let's get on to the last game of the weekend. West Ham at Man City. West Ham is a two and a half point underdog. Uh, Man City is going to pay right now minus two and a half at minus 130. West Ham plus two and a half minus 105. Oof, pretty hefty straddle there, Top Notch. By the way, all these odds presented to you by Top Notch Odds. Now, we're going to actually lean Man City minus 2.5 in this game, but it's just a lot of goals and a lot of hefty price to pay for Man City team this season who's let me down over and over. Now, I don't like West Ham either. If you look at you talk about expected goals, one of the worst teams both home and road this year in expected goals. West Ham has won three games in their last 20 in all competitions, including some bad losses like a 4-1 loss to Leicester, 3-1 loss to Arsenal, 2-0 loss to Liverpool, and a 3-0 loss to the Burnley Clarets. West Ham just is too open at the back. Now, I think stylistically this is a type of game Man City will take advantage of. West Ham not tight enough, not organized enough in the back end. Expect Man City to score and score early. By the way, Man City's been leading eight out of their last 10 games at halftime. West Ham has gone 19 straight games giving up a goal. So their defense not playing very well. And the last 10 times these two teams have played, there have been over two and a half goals scored nine of those 10 games. So with all that, uh, I will lean Man City minus two and a half in this game. All right, so that does it for my picks for the weekend. Let's get to the interview with Nigel Seeley. He is a professional soccer better in the UK, one of the most renowned top professional soccer betters in all the UK. He hosts a daily soccer show on Tip TV, and uh, he's extremely active on Twitter. Give him a follow on Twitter at Seeley underscore Nigel. That's Seeley, S E E L E Y underscore Nigel. So what we're going to do is play back portions of the interview that uh, we got earlier today. One of the Vara Woos Media employees, uh, Jacob Reb, actually caught up with Nigel earlier. And uh, they started off the interview by talking about some of the main differences in the UK market and the American market. Well, I think we uh, the, what we, the technology we have here at the moment is, is a lot is light years ahead of the American market. But the, the European influence from the firms over here, the Bet365s, the William Hills, the Paddy Power, the Betfairs are all appearing on in, in Vegas now. So the technology is coming. You'll have the apps that we have here that we should, would allow you to bet on anything. I think the biggest difference is, is that um, we restrict winners in this country. So if you're a, if you're a pro better and you make money, uh, and we make on our on our on our um, betting uh, services I provide, we make about about six percent return of, of investment on on soccer. You, you, it's impossible to get a bet on in this country. So they restrict you. Uh, and I think the American market will not be able to understand that. You know, when the European, there's going to be very, very good, massive positives for you in terms of the European influence is going to happen. You're going to have so many opportunities to bet on so many new things, which is going to open so many doors. And, and, and for someone like me, who provides information on the sports that you, you've not really, or not American sports, it's fantastic for me as a, as, as a business operation. 
But for you, I think you, it, what what looks so good is going to come with a, with a problem, and the problem will be if you're successful, you're not going to be able to wager to the size that you expect. I mean, the, you know, the bookmakers in in Vegas to come to strip the sports, but you can stand there with 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 hundred thousand dollars and have the bet on the Super Bowl if you wanted to do that. That won't happen when the when it comes in. They'll they'll restrict winners, um, and I think you're fine. I think at the beginning, when the, the sports books open, there'll be a lot of pro betters who are over in Europe, um, who can't get a wager on, will suddenly move to the East Coast and rent property just to get wagers on until the restrictions come in because it's so much beneficial for them. So I think that that's that's one positive and also a negative. Uh, the other thing is that I think that um, you have a... There's much, there, and I don't mean this in any, any, any um, disrespect. The, the, the punters in, in, in England, the, the gamblers and betters in England have so much information and technology. And there's so many people out there who are, who are good information. There's a lot of people on Twitter. There's a lot of people like myself. So there's so many good stuff that I think the UK market is a little bit more... Uh, it's, it's a little bit more savvy in terms of they don't necessarily bet with their heart. Rather, they bet with their, their, their head rather than their heart. And I think what I found with a lot of American guys who I spoke to, that they, they're so passionate about where they're from. You know, one state is as big as the whole of England. So sure. you know, their passion and their, and their loyalty to their home side is something they've got to have to. If you want to be a pro better, you, you've got no loyalty to anybody. The only loyalty you have is to your bank balance. And um, I think that's one thing that I find with the American guys, that they're, they're so passionate about their team and, and they love it and they, and they, they will, they will they will bet them and, and without without even thinking about any problems, and I, I think that's I think that's going to have to change. <laughs> change very quickly if you want to be successful. Now, as you guys know, we talk all the time on this show about the Premier League, how much we love the Premier League, and we thought it'd be interesting to ask someone who's in Europe, who, well, who's in the UK, who bets the Premier League all the time and has grown up with it. What does he think about the Premier League being the best league in the world? It's not. It's not at all. I, I think the Premier League. You know, we say it's the most exciting league in the world. We say it's the most. You know, the, the story is over the years. It's the most competitive league in the world. It truly is. I mean, Liverpool are what twenty-two points clear at the table. They can win the title at the end of February. That's not competitive. That's not competitive at all. Um, I think the Spanish league. You know, the top four in Spain: Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. Quality sides. I think. I think that's very, very competitive league. I think that the the the, um, the uh, Italian league, obviously Juventus, have been superb over the years, but that's now becoming a little bit more competitive. Um, I, I my favourite division, I, my where I make most of my money and where the people who subscribe to my services make most money on soccer, is in the lower leagues. Um, the Championship, League One, League Two. I think our record in League One is is is, is just it's, it's the strike rate is phenomenal, <laughs> and the reason why is because I I watch a lot more of those leagues. I mean. I have, a, I have a son who's 15 and um, pretty much every weekend we're at a game. Um, and I was a dad that didn't want him to go to the Emirates to watch Arsenal and have a, a nice ice cold Coke, uh, a nice sandwich and a, and a, and a, and a, and a nice three course meal at half time. I wanted him out in the cold with 400 people freezing, <laughs> watching a game at League sure. 2 with, uh, um, because I think that's what football should be about. Grassroots football isn't about £150 a ticket to go and watch the new Tottenham Stadium. It's about your local club where it's uh, £7 to go in and watch the game and have a cold, cold cup, a hot cup of tea. So we pretty much go to every single game. And what I've learned in, in, in the, the, two, the two things I've really learned is that in the Premier League, if Manchester City play Arsenal, that, you know, 
Uh, sorry, Manchester City play, say, uh, Aston Villa, for example. Manchester City could rest five players and the five players coming in make no difference. In League One or League Two, if they have a player, the centre forward is injured or, or, or the, the captain's injured or the goalkeeper's injured, the player coming in is usually a, an 18-year-old kid who's got no experience. And the bookmakers, because there's no volume and there's not really much bet on it, they don't really change the odds so much. You know, you know, if Aguero doesn't play for Manchester City, the odds change hugely. But the thing is, the player coming in is Gabriel Jesus, who's a Brazilian international centre-forward. It's not like uh, it is in the lower leagues. So I find that the lower leagues, and when I watch the lower leagues, I find that really, if you're in League 2 or, or even lower than League 2, there's no real home advantage. I've said this before in recent. I mean, if you've got a game, the, the attendance is 1,200 people. That's no different, you know, and the home advantage and the away advantage. And, and, and the bookmakers sometimes put the home advantage into to, to too much. There's no, there's no gap between probably 10 teams in, a, in, in, in League 2. You can put a cigarette paper between a lot of them. Anyone could beat anyone a day. So I think the Premier League now has got three mini leagues. I'll go back to the point of the Premier League. You've got the top five or six who week in, week out will beat the, the bottom side. You have a middle table from, say, and you have the six at the bottom of the table. And when they play the big teams now, they rest their players. You know, the teams at the bottom of the table, like a team like, say, for example, we'll call Aston Villa again. If they went to Manchester City, they would probably put out a reserve team at Manchester City because the following week, they could be playing at home to Norwich. And that game is much more important. So the days of shocks in the Premier League are long gone. I think we may have had maybe one or two big big shocks over the years. But really, I mean, you're never going to see a Leicester win the Premier League again. That's never going to happen. And you're never going to... You, you, week in, week out. It's just... It's, and it's funny. The top four or five are getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And, and eventually, in time, they'll pull away. But eventually, in time, what will happen is there'll be a European Super League. That will happen. Um, but... Because of Brexit, I doubt whether many of our teams will be invited. All right, good stuff. Again, we're playing back portions of an interview from Nigel Seeley. Give him a follow on Twitter at Seeley, S-E-E-L-E-Y underscore Nigel. Interview goes on to talk about sports betting and how the margins are so thin it's all about winning long term, right? We always talk about that on the show, guys. It's you're going to have losing weeks, maybe even losing months, but it's about how you look at sports betting. So we asked him, how does he look at sports betting uh, in a week by week and then long term process? It's not the way I look at what I do. It's like someone saying to me, if 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 we toss a coin, I'll give you seven dollars. Do you give me five? If if you if you get it right, and that's the little edge I think I have. I think I have that little edge all the time. Now, obviously, he can hit heads 10 times on the spin. But if we toss that coin 10,000 times, I'd make money. And that's what that's what I think. I think I've just got that tiny little edge on the value. And pretty much now with the following that we have, uh, not, my following in, in, in Europe is, 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 not, is, is not big. I mean, I, it, back in uh, five or six years ago, I did a lot of TV work, work. I did a lot of radio work. And I had a lot of following. But the following America now is so strong that we have so, so many people who, who follow us now that our price will always shorten. So we, the, the price will always get shorter. So we're beating the book. And that's all you've got to do. If you, know, if you look at what price, you, the, the odds you bet something at the start of the event, if they're shorter in four days' time when the event starts, ultimately you'll win because you're, you're taking a, a percentage off the book. And that, in this country, is what the bookmakers don't like. They don't like you betting a horse, 
that's five to one. They go that, that even if it doesn't win and it starts two to one, they look at your account and think this guy should warm because this is sharp money because that odds have come down so low. And I think that's what we what we do. And now with the following, we have so much money volume going into the market that we actually make the we, we move the price, especially on the lower leagues. And I think if we can keep taking those little margins, that's how you make money long term. Great stuff in this interview from Nigel Seeley. Uh, last portion that we're going to play back here, advice. I know we get a lot of younger listeners out there. Some advice for those looking to bet sports professionally. Well, I think one thing as a sports better, it's a very lonely business. You know, if you're wrong, it's, only, it's you. It's you. It's your fault. So, you know, you go for a walk, you go down the pub, you do whatever you do. You go to the gym, you take it out on a, on a, on a, on a punch bag. But you're on your own. It's your decision. There's no one else to blame. It's your fault. If you have a win, it's still always lonely because you want, you're feeling top of the world and you want to tell everyone, but there's no one there to pat you on the back and say, well done, it's just you. So it's, it's quite a lonely business. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to look at the long term. I think if you're going into betting, if, you've got, if, if you go back to what I said earlier, if you bet and take the mark, the price, and they get a bit of price, you can have losing runs, but long term you'll win. That's why I never, ever, ever offer anybody a weekly package or a monthly package on what I do, the service I provide, because anybody can have a bad week, anybody can have a bad month, and it's not worth it. It's, it's a long game. But it's, if, you, if you don't make money on the season and you want to do programming and you're, and you're doing nine months of records and you're not making money, then you need to really to probably do something else. So that's what I the long-term picture is the thing. We, get, we, we react. The, the human reacts to results. You know, he... He'll go ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride, but it's a long term. If the long term figure is positive at the end of nine months, you're doing something. There's probably one percent of people in the UK, probably in America as well, who make money gambling. The ninety nine percent of them will be minus. The one or two percent are, are in positive. And if you're making money, you, you've got a future in this game. So I would take that. Out. The other thing I think is huge. Another thing is, I haven't over my years. I I have I have have a very good circle of people. Um, I have experts who I talk to. Now, I, I, I speak to them about the football. I speak to them about the golf. I speak to them about the tennis. I have people who I respect hugely over, over, over 20 years who I've met who are fellow pro gamblers. And I think there's much information and listening to other people's minds. And, you know, you talk about a game and they'll say, yeah, I, I like that game. Or, and they give the reason. And they turn around and say, oh, well, you, you know, that player's not playing and his record without that player is, is set. And, you know, and um, my dad said to me once, many years ago, he said, um, in the betting industry, he said, that, and I've used this on VEASAN again, it's be a judge of judges. There are so many people who think they are judges. You know, you can meet a guy in the club, oh, I bet so many winners, oh, I'm so good, I'm so good. But it's spotting the one in the crowd that's the judge. And if you have good people around you, good quality people, you can, you can call on about tennis, second opinion on the boxing, a guy you know, who knows about horse racing. If you have good quality of people around you, then you'll be okay because however good you are there's always someone better than you and that's one thing i've learned however good you are there's other people that know a little bit more than you and a little bit more than you. but having good people around you is, is really 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 key for me uh, and and that takes a long time you know you, that that could take five or six years maybe even longer to find those good people but when you've got good people around you keep them keep them keep them there because the more opinions you've got and the more sharp opinions telling you what your opinion was right originally that's good especially if you're going through a bad run because if you go through a bad run which i had i had a terrible run on, on the soccer just before christmas terrible run, and you doubt yourself you, you know even if you've done it for you, you think oh, I, I, i'm wrong here 
if you have good people around you say, no, you're absolutely right. I agree, this is a great play. I agree with that. That's really, really valuable. All right, great stuff there again. Thank you so much to Nigel Seeley. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Seeley underscore Nigel, one of the best uh, public uh, professional sports bettors in all the UK, and I highly recommend following this guy. He really knows his stuff, knows what he's talking about, and he does offer picks, so check out uh, his picks that are available for purchase as well. And special thanks to Jacob Reb, the one who constructed that interview, got him on, uh, and made his uh, and made him available for us here on the podcast. So thanks to Jacob Reb uh, conducting that interview and uh, getting that thing set up. So it was a, a nice little show today. Hope uh, we got some winners for this weekend, and I know we got some good advice from one Nigel Seeley. So good luck, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player.